BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Here we are once again. It is the second print comics podcast and I am here as always. Well, I meant to bring him in dramatically, actually. But if you're watching the video, you will see that uh, we actually have one of our great patrons with us, Eric. I think you are not our first patron, but probably our second. And of course, as always, my co-host, my partner in comic book crime, Remzo W. Martinez. My production skills need some work. I was going to I was going to bring in Eric naturally, but he's here. You were also going to add explosions in the background for me, but so many video episodes in and still zero explosions. There were going to be fireworks, which massive disappointment. I'm still trying to work on on that technologically. But uh, Remzo, how are you? Eric, how are you? You guys can just talk. It's it's already anarchy and chaos. So I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Well, thank you for paying us money to have you on because that, that's what oh, this is all about. Pleasure. <laughs> In the end, um, so that's, I thought that, he did this out of love. That's a great. It's a little. It's no. a combo. Well, the money is sent out of love, and then this is done out of uh, out of because of the money. So it's it all it's all kind of circular. But of course, uh, here at SPC, we have wonderful patrons at Patreon.com/slash Second Print Pod who support us financially and emotionally. Actually, it's, it's actually more emotion than financial. A I, lot I would of say at this support. point, um, and. Our highest, well, not our highest, our almost highest level patrons are at the Kirby Club level. They get to produce an episode of the show now because we went on hiatus for a few months and because our patrons are so awesome that they continued to uh, support us during the hiatus time. We are now in a makeup period, so Eric's probably going to get a couple episodes in a row here. Jeffrey, who's on a couple weeks ago, put us on that awful Guardians of the Galaxy uh, train. Um, Absolutely a train. He's going to be back again, so we're going to be pounding out our, our Kirby Club episodes, uh, so so Remzo and I can produce our own episodes again eventually. That that is the plan here. Um, Remzo, before we get into uh, Eric and this story, uh, do you want to plug some stuff, plugger? Go the ahead. Plugger. Every Sunday, 
get plugged with your SPC fix over at patreon.com slash second print pod. We went ahead and just had our Patreon uh, journey into mystery call uh, earlier last week where I convinced everyone to go ahead and watch TLC's MILF Manor. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, you should have been in there. We've got new episodes. Is there a new Patreon bonus show coming in relation to that? I don't think I can. I don't think I can unleash that crime against humanity. TLC has already done it for us. Um, we've got Tales from the Fucket Pile from Mark. We've got Just made its return. That's we right. got uh, Remzo versus the DCEU. All these and more every Sunday. And I went ahead and also sent out some graphic novels to some of our uh, epic crossover level patrons. I think Eric went ahead and got uh, Spider Man Life Story by Chip Sidarsky. Uh, you know our other patron Paul. I went ahead and sent him Captain America Volume Three, where you get to see a massive fight between Captain America and Nuke. And I'm going to the store today to go ahead and grab stuff a little bit early for our march folks i think i've got a good selection coming up so all this and more can be yours with a low price of five dollars starting go ahead and support the community and be awesome at the same time at patreon.com slash second print pod all right well that being said i will allow mr eric who i will emphasize uh you know is is a historically a uh, pretty big figure in SPC lore because he is the one Pimpin. that first got me into comics. Right. So, and now here you are like 30 years later, not to age ourselves too much, getting me into other comics. So uh, your, your role continues in my life here, but uh, <laughs> why don't you just set up this tale that you're going to uh, send us down today? how did you first come about this story and et cetera, et cetera. Why are you sending us on this journey? Sure. So like many of the comics that I pick up, um, I was first attracted to this book, which is called a town called terror uh, by the cover. Um, I walked into the shop, saw this book on the shelf, said, what's this? And then I opened it up and I was just blown away by the art. Um, I'll leave it up to you guys to judge. I'm not a professional SPC grader, so I'll (laughs) leave it up to you guys. Um, But I was just amazed by the art. Um, I followed it all the way through. It's a five-part series. Um, I really enjoyed it and thought it was great fun and figured I'd share it. Um, See that neither of you had heard about it. Uh, before um, I brought it up. No, and this is this is why I like not just doing this show because you know part of the show is Remzo showing me weird two thousands comics that I never knew about. Uh, but you also like the ultimates though. You also, like the ultimates. <laughs> I like parts of the ultimates. Um, but also you know just our patrons setting us the on these weird rabbit holes that that like not that this is even well it's weird in its own way i wouldn't I, look this is nothing compared to the the future woke furry guardians of the galaxy thanks to jeffrey um but it's, it's often stuff that even if i saw it in the store i might not necessarily i might say that looks cool but i might not necessarily grab it this forces me to uh grab it or virtually grab it uh in in the case today so uh, uh i'm excited to dive into this thing it, it seems to me just judging by the last couple things you've, you've said it on um you you seem to be a fan of more of the horror or um i would i don't know how to describe this but there's certain comics that feel like movies and maybe that is a, the reason that suspense coincides driven. with the horror genre what was that more suspense driven suspense driven yeah and but there's like a certain there seems to be a certain style that artists that some artists embrace that it it seems to intentionally sort of try to unveil itself in a, in a similar way a movie would but um maybe you can elaborate on, on like these certain kind of stories you've been attracted to lately between this and something is killing the children that you sent us down last time Oh yeah, the the panels really feel like they have a cinematic feel. The layout, the coloring, um, you know, as you pointed out, on something is killing the children. Just the the way the borders are shaped, um, mm-hmm. you know, telling you that there's a flashback. Um, you know, that's a an homage to, to manga. Um, 
So just, you know, that cinematic appeal, just the boldness of the colors in certain panels um, and just having the art kind of drive the story um, as opposed to having to read too much. Yes. Um, we don't you know, like really, we don't like the words so much. Yeah, That's why we read comics. I can't words, even read. Words are tough. Words are tough. So, you know, having the pictures there is really helpful. Um, but it's really enjoyable just discovering a new artist, too. I, I'd never heard of the writer or the artist um, on this book. Yeah, neither have I. Um, this one is uh, written by a fellow named Steve Niles and art by, this is kind of a cool name. It's like, it's almost like Simon, but there's a Z. There's an S-Z-Y. Right. So I'm going to pronounce it Zymon because that's how I like to say it. Sounds very Kryptonian. Zymon Kudransky does the, what we'll, what we'll soon discuss being the, the very incredible art on this book. But uh, yeah, we are excited. We are excited to dive into it. Uh, well, so uh, all I will say is once again, Eric, thank you. Thank you for your contributions. Thank you for sending us on this journey today. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next gym call. Yep. I hope you enjoy. And I, uh, I'll be looking forward to listening to this call. All righty. Adios. All right, take care. Bye. All right. Now that that blowhard's gone, um, <laughs> he's still in the waiting room. He can hear us. He can see us. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So Town Called Terror, Remzo, before Eric sent us down this rabbit hole, um, had you heard of this at all? Or was this, were you like me, just getting this off, off, the, uh, off the, uh, the virtual shelf for the first time? I, as, uh, as longtime listeners will know, one of my favorite books for the last couple of years was Chip Zdarsky's Stillwater. And this kept getting spoken about with Stillwater, same as hmm. something is killing the children. And, you know, I, I like how you and Eric described it without spoiling too much. It's a cinematic horror story, which leans more on suspense. Um, so, I mean, there's an obvious mystery. It's written in a different way. I think it's really interesting how Eric said that, you know, the art style and the flow of the story, um, you know, mimics or homages a lot of the manga style. And I think that's, I didn't even think of it. That's the perfect way to describe it. Um, this is really part of a new genre of, of books that has come out in the last couple of years where it could be a limited series or it could be an ongoing series. It's by writers that are focusing on, you know, more original content while also leaning more on their artists to really make it unique. I mean, Stillwater and this, while I could talk about them in the same breath, they're two very different stories. They're two very different in tone, in look, in pacing and everything. But they still carry a lot of that horror suspense. You know, I would throw in the same realm as like uh, Silence of the Lambs type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's just really good. And I'm they really all happy feel like they could be a movie. Easily. Oh, yeah. This could easily be an HBO Max series or something. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so that being said, we're going to dive in. We're just going to be looking at the first two issues. I later found out, Eric told me, this is a limited series. It was only five issues. Um, oh. So now that I've read the first two, I can already say like, I'm going to be finishing this. If it was 40, maybe I would be more hesitant or something. But if there's only three more with uh, with how, uh, how this played out, I don't see how I can uh, live with myself without finishing it. But oh, we're going to dive right in to a town called Terror. And we start off with... Uh, Let's see. What is this? A, uh, it's not a 16 panel layout. It is a there's 12 panels and a little bit of a longer panel layout. But it's it's kind of going frame by frame here, showing you images of what seems to be some kind of facility, a hospital or a morgue and or something like that. And this sort of, you know, hospital gowned figure with the glasses on these dark glasses and a briefcase He's holding a briefcase, which is interesting. Uh, so just going through this building uh, to get to where he's going before we get to the second um 
page it's like this double splash page where we just see there's like these lights coming down on this right you know what i wonder if we can do this i can do this right i'm gonna share my screen and just share this one panel i'm not gonna share share the whole book oh we're getting high tech here yeah so while i try to figure this while i try to do this for the first time why don't you uh why don't you talk a little bit about what you thought about that first panel? Because that even from that first, not that first panel, but the first whole page, it just felt felt very much like we were saying, like like the intro to a movie. Like I could almost hear like some spooky music sort of playing and setting us up uh, in like the opening credits of a film. It, it reminded me of the opening of the Walking Dead series where it just kind of flashes you. You don't really see any of the characters, but what's doing is it's trying to show you the environment. It's trying to capture the tone. You're, you're getting very much a horror movie vibe, but before you're introduced to the characters, to the setting, to the story, what you're being introduced to is the world in which you know immediately it's cold, it's rigid, there's something going on. This is really trying to um, set the stage, so to speak. So as everything else comes in, you're not doing as much guesswork. You don't have to wonder what's happening. You already know that things are going to get kind of cold and frigid and uh, not very, not very welcoming for our characters. Well, it seems I can't actually use this technology and I don't want to, I don't want to just bore the audio listeners as I try to see folks. Uh, we, we do this live. You just yeah, got to no. be with us in the moment. That's the fun of doing this live. You're, it says I'm sharing this now, but you can't see it, right? No. Huh? Interesting. Is Unless you want to use the powers of imagination. It does say that I'm sharing this with you, but it doesn't see my action. All right. Anyway, I'm not going to I'm not going to waste all our time doing this. You uh, see, so folks, for those of you listening on the podcast, NPR pays like thousands of dollars for an audio <laughs> journey. And we just gave it to you out of pure spontaneity. Exactly. Yeah. Help us at patreon.com slash second. <laughs> if you would like to be our producer that can deal with this sort of thing during a video show for very low, if any pay, uh, reach out to us at secondprintpod at gmail.com because we could certainly use the help. Anyway, back to us. We got to focus on, on talking about this book. But this first double splash page is pretty wild uh, when you say, see, this is not he's obviously not in some normal hospital or morgue. Or if he is, he's he's doing something weird because there's just just limbless sort of it looks almost like how would you describe this this body? There's no limbs, but it looks either muscular or like almost made out of metal or something. Gaunt. Gaunt. That's one way. What is that word? You're teaching. See, I teach Remzo to read, and he teaches me no new words that I never learned. Well, in Gaunt his is an journey. SAT word for someone with very rigid features, very rigid, sharp features. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it looks like because like all the panels setting up to this could have almost been a normal place. Uh, but then this panel makes it very clear there is some crazy shit going on here because it's almost like the way the I don't it's hard to tell if it's like a red light, but it also seems like there's like blood droplets like all throughout the air. It's it's pretty freaky. And uh, as we go on to the next page, we go back to sort of this this like more 12 to 16 panel layout. And uh, this is where it feels more like even more like a movie to me, because you see the um, you see this guy. He brings out his iPad or his, uh, his iPhone and starts playing. Uh, it's Bach Air Suite number three for D major. So like we start picturing this classical music and we even get the sort of opening credits in some of these panels. Like there's one panel where he's holding an arm and it says, that's where he says, says written by Steve Niles. And and when you see him play that classical music i don't know how it was for you remzo but like to me I, I started hearing even though i don't know necessarily what particular song this is like your brain has a certain idea of what classical music sounds like so now it's almost like um american psycho or something like i see this guy like listening to classical music as he does whatever he's doing with this body which we soon learn he seems to be using this this sort of frame of a body this this gaunt frame as remzo described it to attach some other limbs some legs some hands and then finally 
a head as our caption says family and we this is where we we do kind of find that we have a narrator and we hear a click as this head gets attached and then the eyes open up and this head says maybe next time attach my head first <laughs> so clearly this is not the first time this has happened um that this guy has been putting back together and this, then the guy pulls his mask off i guess he doesn't need the mask anymore because he needed this his super strong mask with, all, with these goggles and everything but i guess as soon as this guy is alive uh the, the necessity of the mask is gone but he just the says, power of legos and it's this like really old creepy ass dude so he says how was my funeral and that that's kind of our, our intro so what do you just think of how this scene as, as you might call it this opening scene to this this sort of short film we're, we're viewing in in, uh, in a in written form here what, what did this do for you in terms of setting the stage for the story there's a cinematic principle behind playing classic music bef- behind scenes of gore and violence and stuff like that. It's supposed to contrast between horror and beauty. So the fact that they're really trying to do that, you know, like yourself, I had classical music kind of running in the back of my head to then witness the the artwork in the panels, just draw a complete contrast to that of something vulgar, something unnatural, inhuman, you know, Frankenstein-esque. Yeah, um, it, it's really trying to paint that, you know, you're not, you're dealing with with the overall opposite of beauty you're dealing with grotesqueness and, and horror and i i just i just love this i'm thinking of black and white films this is just you know you don't have to re you don't have to remake the wheel to kick off a good story you just have to do certain parts well and i love this intro exactly and this this easily could have been done you know, th- this could have been written down in a comic book script and it could have been done in a way that wasn't particularly intriguing or, or you know, it didn't really suck you in. But just the way it was done so methodically, panel by panel, making sure to really set the, the creepy and the contrast of the sort of classical music uh, uh, stage that's been set for us. It, it really does sort of paint the picture uh, for us going in, not just visually, but even somehow audibly, even though we can't actually hear the book. Um, so it really does. does a lot for to sort of uh, get your senses ready for what's to come yeah and uh, our narrator takes us through he's kind of talking about the suburbs as we transition to what appears to actually be this other house as we get what do we get remzo same thing we get in all horror movies we get some some boning we get some sex we see and i really but i literally love in these scenes to be this isn't this is this book is okay for kids i would say maybe teenagers like it's tasteful this is not explicit yes this is not uh, incredibly explicit, but man, the art in these pages like this, this couple is in bed, but you just see this. It's all it's almost like Sin City-esque. Um, it's not necessarily black and white, but the, they're definitely like darker gray scale tones on most of it. And then you see just these like the red of these roses. Um, and then the the red of the roses as this guy um, opens our, our sort of titular character here. I just like the word titular opens the windows. And then we see the same sort of red coloring um, that was in the original scene that's in this these roses that we see here. And then when we see it behind these guys as they bust into this house in a two page spread again with these super creepy masks shooting guns with something. Uh, we see them shooting right away and. There's not much of a fight here. Uh, this guy just gets shot in the neck with, with which with, with what seems to be a dart of some kind. Uh, he goes down quickly. Says, "You son of a bitch!" He nails one of the guys, but and he, or he gets nailed by a, by the back end of a gun, and and he is knocked out. And it is not long before these panels transition into some eyes as he's opening his eyes, and he says, "I guess this asshole wants to see me." And he's he's in a van now. And again, like 
I'm describing this, but you really have to see the art, which and which I'd love to share some with you if I understood the t- technology of StreamYard. Maybe next time, uh, you really got to see the art, how it is laid out, and what continues to stand out to me is is these color schemes. I mean, especially the use of the color red, but the way they set the heat that the artist kind of does this. I don't know how to describe it because it's not black and white, but it's it's just in a very sort of. I, th- I think you said it correctly earlier. It's more of a grayscale. Yeah, but then there's like certain elements, like the 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 red showing like where they're going on the map. Um, there's also he transitions to a helicopter at one point, so this is like this is quite a journey. And you also see like the the little things, like the lights of the cars are actually yellow. So there's like little distinct colors as as he's t- sort of traveling through what is otherwise uh, a fairly a fairly creepy journey, a fairly creepy and uh, obviously journey that he doesn't really want to be on. This reminded me of, um, you know, House on Fire, which we covered a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago yeah. by Matt Pataglia, where he uses a distinct uh, color palette of grays, blues, blacks, and orange, like a blood orange to contrast it. So that reminded me a lot of this with the red roses and then with the grayscale-esque background to differentiate between like the inanimate objects of the room and also the people. Yep. So this guy, Henry, he finally gets where he's going. And uh, although he's not happy to be here, he's not exactly panicking or surprised. He kind of seems like he knows what's going on. He says, hello, Carter. Carter is the guy that sort of pieced together the older guy in the beginning. He says, hello, Carter, you've aged. He says, hello, sir. There are clothes for you in the car. Uh, So they know each other. They go way back. And he's as Henry's changing in the back of the car. He's like, so I suppose my father wants to see me. Uh, Your father has died, sir. That's why you've been summoned. And he said, oh, dad, dad, huh? Again. So clearly this is. They're, they're sort of laying the scene for all these characters. These characters all know each other. There's a history here. And it, I really enjoy this method of storytelling where we just kind of get thrown into things. We see some things that make us go, whoa, what's going on here? And then as the story unfolds, the characters never give us a monologue that explains every single thing in their entire history that's going on. We just learn it in a natural way uh, through how they interact, just like the scene where, where Carter and Victor uh, meet each other. It's a simple panel. It's a simple scene, but it tells us there's a lot of history here. A great example of this is uh, one of our very early episodes that you went ahead and produced Hellboy volume one seed of destruction, mm-hmm. where, you know, there's already yeah. an established chronology with the characters and the stories and the events and everything. But we kind of start off in like the middle of Hellboy's journeys that gives us the opportunity to have flashback stories for a prolonged period or to really build upon stuff in the future so that way we get more to the meat of what's going on and less of that you know classic start from ground zero build up type of stuff yeah I think Hellboy is just one of the best examples of, of universe building around because they start they start you off in an important part of his story, but they also make you acutely aware that there's like 40 or 50 years of backstory here that they that they reference. So in a similar way, you learn just by the references, by the natural references to the history from these characters, instead of them having to do, you know, a whole here's the 40 year history of Hellboy. But at the same time, it, it's 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 why Hellboy can basically there's always going to be Hellboy stories to tell, because even if you even if you killed the character as he stands now, you've got 40 or 50 years to pull stories out of so there's there's always new hellboy stuff you can do which which is just awesome but anyway enough about hellboy we are talking about a town called terror and we're getting a little more narration from henry here he's saying you know he thought he'd seen the last of this godforsaken town when he left or when he escaped to be more accurate henry swore he would never return he's henry being oh i guess i guess henry's not the narrator so but henry is the, is the lead character at first it was just his family his father to be exact that drove him away but it was the town too he didn't belong and he slowly 
seemingly getting closer and closer into this town uh, as it gets the scene gets like creepier and creepier in terms of the coloring like the color gradually changes just from that sort of background grayscale to now you start to see like some oranges as, as he mentioned sulfur I feel like as he's describing the town the look of the town changes until this awesome two page splash page um, says town uh, welcome to terror population 1300 probably not a coincidental number and it is just it does look not look like a place you a welcoming town it has I mean the sign is basically a stop sign I mean they, they couldn't be telling you more clearly don't go here uh, but not only that there's like this creepy orange sort of devilish hue to the town as they roll in um, and all of these crazy crows and again I, I can't emphasize enough the art in this is phenomenal yeah, I mean, there are very few artists out there that I think are able to do it. And I also want to get really into the minutia of this. Yeah. I love it when an artist can really lay out a page. Page layout almost matters as much as the actual rendering of the artwork of the characters. So when you can have your your you know your your boxes and everything really help flow the story or set a tone or something, that's when you know you're not dealing with just a regular cartoonist. You're dealing with somebody that really gets how it structures it, all, the whole thing. Yep. And so Henry is is pulling up to this house, and through the narration, we kind of learn that like yeah. He knows why he's being summoned here. He knows it is his dad who apparently can die and come back to life. Um, and, and again, as as we go into the house, we see these sort of this like you know, nine or nine or so panel layout in some of these pages. And you see some they give us you some sort of up close shots. So like sometimes you just see a window with that that creepy red hue. But then sometimes you see these weird faces like there's. I don't know. It's hard to tell, really, if they're statues. Some of them seem to be statues. Some, like, is there just a demon hanging out here? There's just a very, very uh, creepy vibe to the whole place. And there's this butler guy. He says, you know, welcome home, sir. And he just says, fuck you. <laughs> he wants nothing to do, do with this. So you can tell, like, he's not struggling. Like, he's going along with this because it's it's kind of understood that he he has to do this for whatever reason he has to go show up in this town but he doesn't want to but it's not the kind of thing where he's he's being held physically held he just kind of knows like yeah it's clear from the background here whatever the connection is here he has an obligation to his family that whether it's by some uh, blood pact or the family bloodlines he doesn't really have a choice whether whether to go through and continue to do this or not um, but then we cut away to uh, uh, his wife who doesn't know what the fuck happened because she just saw her husband get kidnapped and doesn't know what's happening. She says, my husband's missing. And uh, the cops are, are, of course, being bureaucratic cops. We're kind of back in more of like a, a real world setting here now. That's um, some realistic shit right there. The cops oh, yeah. acting inappropriately. Well, <laughs> not, yeah, I mean, the cops just being like, I oh, give it 24 hours. You know, she's like, dude, men came in and kidnapped my husband and drugged me. Like, it's not like this is not like he just disappeared. We don't need to wait this 24 hours for you to figure out what's going on here. You must be in Chicago or something. Yeah. Maybe not a town called Terror. But standard stuff. Uh, San uh, Town Cotera could be a, a suburb of Chicago. And then we see her basically like staring at her phone and then she calls back. It's been 24 hours. I'd like to report my husband missing. That seems wild that even with usually that missing persons thing is like, okay, if you're they kid, pretend to care, at least at the beginning. Right. Yeah. The, the big man will do everything we can, but we have to wait. But you shouldn't have to wait 24 hours if you saw them kidnap him. Like that seems like worthy of starting the investigation now. But what do I know? You'd think. 
so but there this is being um yeah this is being set up to sort of lead this parallel story that we'll see across the two issues where while henry has his thing going on in the town called terror where he's been summoned back to uh his wife is also trying to on her somewhat on her own and also with the aid of this detective that shows up here detective haas um to try to figure out what the fuck happened to her husband so she kind of tells him the whole story and they're like so four men just sort of broke in and took him and they say but there's no evidence of a break-in which just seems crazy because we saw the door we saw like the doors or the walls uh get busted in so it kind of gives us the sense that there is something somewhat mystical here and he's asking her you know do you have a security cam and he's like well yeah i can i can look on my phone so she pulls up the phone and says well that's weird it's bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Static, so it's like a still image here. So whether it's through technology or some other sort of uh, dark art, it seems that there, even though we saw this break in, we saw them beat up her husband. She was there. There's no physical evidence that this ever happened. Um, so she's kind of like, oh, you don't believe me. He's like, well, it doesn't matter if I believe you. I'll follow, I'll follow the report because that's my job to do. But in the meantime, if you want to post some flyers around and see if anybody saw anything, like, I don't know, flyers are going are gonna to solve this situation. So she's just kind of, and again, I love this, this last, uh, the second to last page here. It just continues to get closer and and more and more up close on his wife as she slowly leans into the wall, leans into the wall, and just basically collapses. And she says, Henry, where are you? As as we kind of get a close-up of her, her rosary and her crucifix. So just a very effective page, which uses hardly any words until that Henry, where are you at the end? Um, as you see this woman just, it's like it's finally hitting her that this is something way beyond anything she can wrap her head around and the only thing she can really do is is have some faith and cling to that you know cling to that that rosary so um and then that's the second to last page and then the next page she's just on the floor sort of crushed we see that same sort of motif and there's these rose petals but there's also and again this is where it's it's it looks like it's like a statue but it almost seems like there's like a demon perch in her room and i can't tell if that's part of their house or not but that's kind of part of the fun of some of this you're like is that is that thing really there or is this a symbology of a greater evil it's called, the, it's called the uncanny valley it's an effect in artwork in which it's hard to determine whether or not something is actually alive mm-hmm. and they do this a lot in horror you see this a lot in, in a lot of old victorian stories where characters can't tell if something is actually looking at them or not like is that painting following me because it's supposed to elicit a sensation of paranoia yes yeah, absolutely. So it, it does. It kind of made me like, wait, is that really there? You know, I'm kind of getting paranoid that's, for that's her. The desired effects. Yep. Uh, so we move on to a town called Terror Number Two. I, I shouldn't. I kind of glossed over. Um, obviously, we talked about how great the art is, but the covers to these, the covers to these. 
I oh get what God. Eric was talking about. These are some lusty covers. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're like Eric and you're one to just, you know, be wandering around a comic store knowing you might pick up a couple random things. I'm usually not like that. I usually like I know what books I'm are being held for me and I'm a cheap motherfucker and I'm probably not going to toss out five bucks on something that I just see. But that's me. That's not highfalutin Eric. He's going to see some nice art and he's going to grab that motherfucker. So that I can but I can totally see how this would this book would capture you just based on the art alone because it is cool there's no other way to put it i'll completely agree uh anyway we were diving into a town called terror issue number two now and uh we we learn a little bit more about henry that um you know he would uh he would wake up like screaming for his parents his father never came but his mother always came to his bedside and he, he had these like very dark dark nightmares weird growing up uh with a creepy dad like that and in a place literally called terror say so they say some nights henry would listen and fall asleep other nights he was just inconsolable his mother would just always say everything will be fine in the morning everything will be fine in the morning it seems and it seems that that was what henry himself was thinking there and again it, it does feel like Almost like a Stranger Things, the way they intro the shows, because we we get a new sort of intro panel a couple pages into every issue. So here we get a big splash page, A Town Called Terror Part 2. And I mean, I, I don't know how many times I could just say it. You need to, if you, you don't even want to read a word, you just got to like go to a store and open this book and see the art. I don't want to encourage that behavior. You know, it'd be better to buy the book, help the, uh, help the artist and all that stuff, help the comic store owner. We all love that. But man, if you're just, if you just had a book and you want to see what this art is, just pick it up, take a look, and maybe buy it too, because that would be nice. Because this art is just, it needs to be seen to believe, be believed, which is why I was trying to share a panel with you. Um, but man, I, what do you think just how of this, the sort of, the, the way they not just set up the stories, but also just give you this sort of very cinematic opening, like as if this were like a Stranger Things type show. I like it when comics act more episodically than they do in straight continuity. Um, that's my criticism of a lot of DC books. They kind of just glide straight into it as if nothing happened, as if you could just, you know, flip one page and bam, it's issue two and you're just continuing on. I want to feel like it's a unique experience. If I'm waiting month for month for a book, I want to feel like each one matters, like thought really went into each one, especially the setup from beginning to end, even if you do know that there's going to be continuing issues and it's developing a longer ongoing story. So, I mean, I, I loved seeing this continuity in there, that they're still going to go ahead and follow a little bit of how they uh, how they set the stage each issue. Indeedy, indeedy. Um, and and through the, his through this narration, um, we learn a little bit more about Henry. He's kind of slowly walking through the creepy mansion and looking at old pictures. Um, some of these, man, it's, it's like it's what it's the uncanny valley thing again. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like he kind of gives the flip off to this picture, and as we get up close to the picture, it's again one of those things where we get this up up close to the picture, and it looks like it almost looks like it's alive, like it's looking back at him, like it's saying "fuck off." But we don't actually see a movement that we can detect because it's you know single panel by single panel. So just another example of, of this effect, which seems to be pretty intentional. Like with a lot of this stuff, like is this really there? Is this really something? Or but the tone is such that you could believe it to be a a creepy, horrible thing, you know, haunted thing, or it could just be a, a, fic a picture that he's reacting to. And uh, as Henry here is, is sort of walking through the house, I'm, I'm still mastering clicking between my notes and uh, and the uh, the comicsology panels here. Be with us in the moment. Yes, exactly. That's the fun of the of doing the shows live now. You know, you're just here with us. That's that's the way it is. Hi, um, how are you doing? But we we basically learned that he's next in line to this this creepy darts dark arts family. I, I guess you could say. 
but he escaped. He fled. He didn't want to be next in line. Um, and he finally comes and meets his father, who is this creepy old guy who's drinking, again, is this wine? Is this blood? I don't know. He's drinking something, something red. Um, and again, there's these little demonic it's like a Jeffrey Dahmer sandwich. There's these like little demons. I'm not going to talk about that. There's these little <laughs> demonic statues everywhere. And then this is when they kind of they get down to the business. He's like, so how was your funeral? And Henry's just sarcastic about everything. He, he wants nothing to do with this shit, but you know, he knows he has to, has to hear him out. He's like, Oh, half the town showed up. Oh, what about the other half? Have a seat. We, he's like, all right, enough of this fucking small talk. We have some things to discuss. And Henry is flipping out on him now. He's like, how about you start with you kidnapping me and keeping me from contacting my wife? I'd like my phone back, by the way. And he's like, well, would you have come otherwise? He's like, well, no, but that's not the point. And this guy's like, well, what is the point then? He says, look, I want nothing to do with you, this town, or anybody else in this family. And why would you? Why would you? This is the creepiest place on earth. He says, Henry, you're my eldest son and you will respect the family. You are next in line to the fortune once I die, of course. And he's like, well, dude, as long as you keep coming back, you don't even need me. So, you know, why, why do you need me? Just let me go and you can just keep being reincarnated as this creepy old guy. And he just tells Henry, look, sit down. And he's demanding, like, I want to speak with my wife. He's like, well, you know the rules. You betrayed your family uh, and me when you left. So he's saying, how'd you do it? You know, how'd you come back this time? The last time was some arcane ceremony with the witches. What, what is this? He says, well, I asked a favor of the Franks. So again, there's like more, <coughs> more world building here. Cause he, he knows who the Franks are. He says, you actually spoke to that stitch up trailer trash. So now we're sort of still building the universe. We know that yes, there's this creepy town, but there's not just one family. There's this family, but there's also the Franks, whatever they are. It's it's a town full of creepy families intersecting in various ways. And you're learning that just through just through a little bit of dialogue here. Yeah, lots of Adams family vibes too. a much more a much scarier Adams family. Yes, but very creepy. And finally, Henry just says, like, look, tell me what you want. Like, let's get to the chase here. He says, well, it's your mother. She's in trouble. He's like, why don't you ask Lilith and Scott for help? Well, your siblings are less than reliable. I need someone with your skills. Um, and he's like, look, I quit. You don't know that. So we're, we're we don't know exactly what he quit because he's saying, look, you can't quit the family. So obviously you can't quit a family. But what did he quit doing? And that that's what's not really clear. Our sense is something evil, but we don't really know. And this is where um, creepy dad says your mother was trying to contact someone beyond the grave. Never a really good idea, Remzo. Not uh, a good idea, Mark. No, you can, as you can attest to, it's just not the best idea. And instead, they took her. She just vanished. And he says, all right, well, I'll think about it. So that's the only way to kind of pull on Henry's heartstrings, I guess, is talking about his vanished mom. And then uh, this is such an awesome splash page. And it's when you you first get the full really because every time we've seen this father figure before, he's like in this weird dark light or like the half red light and his face is half concealed. This is where you kind of see him full on his eye. One of his eyes is big and crazy. He's got these big, long fingernails. He just looks like he looks like what he's supposed to be, that evil old dad family. And then Henry's just like, see, this is exactly why I left. I don't need all this crap. Open the doors. I'm leaving. And he's like, look, and again, I'm going to keep referencing the way they do the colors here. But uh, now we go back to seeing a little bit closer to the grayscale. But the red, the red always stands out in here. Uh, reminds me of, of like a Sin, Sin City uh, as well. Very Frank Miller-esque. Yeah. Uh, the red stands out of his scarf, uh, his, his uh, little bathrobe belt here. He says, look, you can't get away this time. The town is locked. As far as the outside world is concerned, it doesn't even exist. You're not the only one with skills, you know. And he says, all right, well, then ask them to help. And then a little button gets pressed by creepy dad. And it seems he just let him out here. Um, so 
<laughs> they go from the, you're not going, you're never going to leave this house. All right, fuck it. Go, go, go get that. Cause, cause basically for, we don't really know how this works. Dark arts or whatever it may be. He's made it clear. Hey, I'll let you out of the house, but you're locked in this town. Like you're not getting out until we figure out what happened with your mom contacting creepy spirits. So then we go back. This kind of seems like the uh, the standard format, at least for these couple issues. Once we see what's going on with Henry, we go back to his wife. Um, she has some. She's kind of surrounded by some uh, some flyers that she did did make up. She's calling this detective again, and uh, you know she wants to speak to him in private. Uh, so they're at this diner. All right. And he's saying, look, I checked other cameras up and down the street, and all of them have the same static during the time you said your husband was missing. Uh, so whatever the case, you got my interest. I'll help as much as I can. So uh, this is kind of a, this guy's playing the sort of the archetype of, uh, you know, the uh, the sort of gumshoe detective that that he, the only one that will kind of listen to her. You know, all the other cops blew her off and they're like, yeah, yeah, just just file the report. But he now, since he did a little extra step, he, he went from thinking maybe she's a little nuts to, OK, well, if this if this weird static thing is happening on all the cameras in on the street maybe i don't know what the fuck's going on here but it's something and it's obviously not just her or her faulty equipment or her losing her mind um so while there's henry dealing with the actual town called terror there's also this uh this sort of parallel investigation uh that his wife is going to be doing with detective haas and they decide you know he's got a cell phone he had a cell phone so why don't you start there so that's kind of our our update on uh, on wifey and the detective something is a foul my dear watson indeed uh, and then we go, it looks like Henry is in the garage. Now, now I will say, uh, as creepy as this family is, they, he's got a hell of a, hell of a classic car collection here. So, uh, and man, just again, I emphasize it. This is, this scene in particular is incredible. The scene of the garage, this double splash page. Cause you see like the lights, the sort of like red and orange lights, almost like maybe it's, it's almost going to be sunrise soon, but sort of juxtaposed with the dark. And then again, the red standing out, we see like amongst these cars that are all in black, we see the red Corvette stands out. So I just, I, I just love how this, this, this juxtaposition of, of the colors and the detail. I mean, there is, there is no line. There is no little bit of ink that is done uh, with, Without purpose here it's all very very intentional and of course henry it's the porsche or the corvette or whatever it may be that stands out he gives it a little smile and he is uh flying down the street in this thing now so he eventually uh drives up and opens this door to what appears to be the bar from hell like this is looks like what what it looks like what a bar would be in um in a, in a place called terror so there's like you know a few just scruffy looking characters here but there's some others that are like clearly there's something supernatural to some of these guys there's like a guy whose face is like totally wrapped up with this weird creepy smile uh there's another guy who has his face sort of all stitched together and then there's just like an actual werewolf playing pool <laughs> which I, which i love Tuesday. So this is the first, I mean, we already know the town is weird and creepy, but we don't really know uh, to what extent. But this this double, this splash page really makes it clear. What was your first impressions on on turning to the, this page? as everybody, as every creepy entity in this bar turns and looks at Henry. What is normal in this town? <laughs> like, what is considered just Yeah, because this is like a, yeah, it's like a Wednesday, Wednesday night here. Yeah, because no not... one is shocked by anything. Everything is just going about its own business. And you're like, what is happening? Like, where are we? Yeah. And this is when he, uh, we find out that his sister works at this bar. So, you know, he's saying, yeah, dad, he's so nonchalant about it. He's like, yeah, dad kidnapped me. We had a great talk. Um, And she pours him a whiskey. And, uh, you know, he said he was, he's going to do, he said that, uh, you know, did you hear about this thing with mom? She's like, yeah. He's like, like, so are you going to help? He's like, well, I just want to get back to my life. Um, 
they're also referencing Scott, who's this other brother. And he's saying, oh, where is he? I think he's a brother. He says, where is he? Oh, losing money at pool. You want one more? Henry's had two whiskeys in the first like five minutes here. So he's just and shit. When you're drinking whiskey next to a werewolf may as well. Right. This guy says, how are you doing, Henry? Long time. Now, I wonder if this guy is one of the Franks because he, he referenced like those stitched up freaks. And you can see this guy is well, he's a stitched up freak if there ever was one. It's like he's like a teenage Frankenstein almost. Yeah, he's not going to the prom with anyone anytime soon. Oh, okay, so he was trying to... Okay, so this is not Scott. This is some other guy who's just like, how you doing, Henry? Long time. This guy's name is Bruno, because Henry's kind of, kind of trying to brush him off. He's like, just... Don't Brunos talk to are me. always creepers in comic books. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I mean, come There's on. There's never a normal guy named Bruno. Have you ever met a Bruno in real no. life? Are, are there Brunos in real life? Like, I don't know. There's Bruno San Martino. That's the, the, the famous wrestler. Bruno Mars. Bruno Michael Mars. Jackson's son. Those, those are the two Brunos. That is absolutely true, by the way. I absolutely. 100% believe that. Side I want to see a paternity test. If you think that you are certain that Justin Trudeau is Fidel Castro's son, wait until you dive into Bruno Mars as Michael Jackson's son. Once you look at it, you can't unsee it, and you will be 100% sure. That shit true. stays with you. So... Go down that rabbit hole as soon as this uh, episode is over. But Bruno here says, don't Bruno, not Mars, says, don't walk away from me. And then Henry's like, don't you have drugs or something or to sell or some bodies to stitch? (laughs) And then Bruno just decks Henry with his (laughs) with his hand. That's yeah. okay. this is normal. It almost looked like his hand didn't have a a hand on the end. Like it was just a stub, but he has has hands. Um, He kind of just hits Henry a few times. Yeah, knocks Henry in the face a few times. And Henry just goes, are you done? And just nails him in the stomach. And this is when we see this must be some of the skills that Henry was that uh, Henry's dad was referencing. Not only does Henry just nail this guy in the stomach, he grabs his arm and rips it off because this guy is all stitched together, takes his arm, starts just beating him mercilessly with his arm, uh, starts ripping. I mean, we're only we're not we're only seeing like certain panels. Like we're seeing the guy's eye roll, Bruno's eye roll in the back of his head. We're seeing smash thud as this red gets more and more encapsulating of the panels. So by the end, it goes from all dark to almost all red. And then we know that it's just the blood. And then we go to the final splash page here, which just shows Henry standing above this body as we see like werewolf hands. Like we see that there's all these other monsters there just standing above this totally dismembered body of Bruno. As he just screams, anybody else want to fuck with me? And that is the end of town called terror issue. Number two. Dude, I'm totally Oof. reading this this weekend. Oh yeah, especially now that I know there's only three more three more issues, I might just go try to buy a buy them at the shop today or something. Oh, totally. But um, that being said, man, Eric Eric knows how to pick them. I'll, I'll tell you what, he's he's got a pretty good success rate. Jeffrey knows how to pick them too. He just has a different mindset about it. He Jeffrey <laughs> wants to torture Jeffrey wants to torture us. They both know what they're doing. <laughs> Eric wants to interest introduce us to some interesting new comics, uh, and. Jeffrey wants to torture us and they both pay for the right to do either of those things. So again, second uh, patreon.com slash second print pod. If you would also like to choose between torturing us or, you know, showing us some cool shit, but we're going to talk about the cool shit today. So Remzo, so what are your just overall impressions? Uh, I guess you can just give me uh, all of your impressions here and uh, may as well just get right to our grades. I am. I am so down with this book. I, I, I mean, it's refreshing. I mean, I, I love superhero comics. Those are always going to be my crutch. But these are the books that I really get excited about. And these only come once every couple of years. So for us to have had the 
you know, kind of like the string of stories like this over the past couple of years. Um, this is just a fantastic new chapter of that. I'm giving the artwork a four because I think this is awesome. Um, I would give it a five, but, you know, I also take into account, could this transition to other genres? Could I see him doing other books? And it's perfect for this. It's perfect for this. It's not the best art ever, but I don't want that to water down the fact that this is really fucking good. So I'm giving it a four out of five. I think that's very, I think that's very fair for this. I'm also going to go ahead and give uh, the story a four out of five. Um, this is really a show don't tell type of book. It really leans on the imagery, not the dialogue. Um, it's just a, I think, you know, when you read it, it's a little slow at parts, which I don't think is too much of a thing but it, it kind of weighs at certain points i think that's just how the genre is so maybe i'm just nitpicking but um yeah i'm giving this a total eight out of ten all right well i'm gonna be a little bit higher than you but and i say i have very different opinions it's not that different we, we're both pretty pretty damn high on this thing um i i could see an argument for not going full five on the art because again it's maybe very genre specific in a way but it's still so incredible and so detailed that as i say this sentence i'm still trying to decide if i'm gonna give it a 4.5 or a, no i'm gonna give it a five i'm gonna go full five on this art i believe in this art i think this art is phenomenal and maybe it is genre specific maybe i couldn't see this being done with a spider-man story but maybe i could actually a really a, a really dark spider-man story with any yeah. of that yeah i just i mean i don't disagree with any of that i just didn't you know i think that's just one of my one of my barriers yeah i mean to me if and I, when I say the art, I guess I, I don't just mean the art of the, the ink of because we, we so often can gloss over, uh, you know, the colorist or, or whatever it may be here. Uh, but in this case, I, I'm trying to, to get back and find out what the actual colorist name here, because this man needs credit because the coloring is just phenomenal and really adds so much to the art. Um, so I really to me that that's what kind of puts this over the edge. And that's why I'm going to go full five on the art between, you know, between not just the the beautiful pretty pictures but the the way it's colored the way it's inked it all just and the art carries the story so much too like you said which maybe could be seen a negative on the story but i kind of put these all together here i'm almost there i'm almost there yeah, we'll, we'll, in the moment. we'll get these kinks worked out someday it's only been a couple of years hey look we just started video this past week man i cannot get to that page i really want to name the artist all right the colorist okay so yeah simon kurjanski does cover and design and logo oh i guess he does all of this hell yeah damn son okay i, I you know what you, i'm gonna change the score <laughs> i'm gonna change it to five when you're doing all that shit yourself you deserve my respect i'm giving the artwork a five out of five yeah because this is an art buy it's all art buy so he's he's his own inker his own colorist you i'm so go. glad you mentioned that yeah it's a bit it's a big yeah. difference five uh, out of five all right, there art. it is. Five out of five of the art. Um, yeah, I won't go full five story because it's a little it's a little hard for me to justify this as a ten. Although maybe when I read the complete uh, the complete uh, edition, the next three issues, maybe I'll I'll have an update. Maybe I can really wrap it up better. But in terms of introing me to a story and, and, a, and a genre and a, a, a sort of a little bit of a, a mini universe here, it's hard to do much better than this uh, to me. You know, especially you know to me. 
you could say like there's less score to the writing maybe just because there's less dialogue and stuff like that but i actually think that's a strength and you know it's not like the it's not like the artist just drawing whatever he wants the artist is being directed by the writing so the fact that so much of this story is told through the very good art the very detailed art uh to me that's i almost look at it as a plus for the writing because i know the writing is what got is what ended up producing the all these amazing images that end up telling a great story Uh, so i'm not going to go full five on on, but i'm going to go pretty damn close i'm going to go 4.5 i'm giving this a 9.5 so we gave this and so 9 plus 9.5 is 18.5 that's pretty good this is pretty much put on your poll list folks yeah you should you should you should pull this puppy as i say uh yeah i mean like for me something is killing the children that's now on my poll list like i'm, I'm picking up the physical book now uh starting this month because i i ended up you know eric put us down i think the first like five issues of that i kept plowing through on hoopla and now i'm i'm caught up to present so now i'm going to start getting that one every month uh and if this were a continuing book it, we might we might be there with this one because this stuff is just so different again it's why i like doing this show i mean look this this compared to like this guardians of the galaxy 90s crap we we read a couple weeks ago (laughs) they couldn't be more different but interestingly enough they both do represent why i love comics so much because the fact that we can get both of these things in a couple within a couple weeks in in this same genre just shows like i think the strength of this medium the strength of this genre there really is something for everybody and i think the only thing that keeps people from comics honestly is just stigma about them and the fact that people associate comics with kid stuff with superheroes but you could totally think superheroes are dumb and cheesy and i can completely respect that but like something like this is if you like horror movies there's no reason you wouldn't enjoy a book like this but i just think a lot of people aren't open-minded enough to even get to the point of picking up something that is called a comic book yeah my my father who almost exclusively collects comics from the 70s and 80s i got him actually hooked on berserker by keanu reeves and matt kent recently uh he he just completely sped through the first volume volume and another one that feels very much like a movie oh yeah so i mean there's something there's something out there for everybody and he was like i want something that's new but not superhero-y not complicated i want something that's like an action movie and i was like i got one for you <laughs> oh yeah that, that's the one yeah and th- that one i believe is supposed to become an actual uh, a netflix series i think uh, directed reeves? and starred by keanu reeves i think 2025 Oh my god, is that long? Gotta yeah. wait that long? Because I think they want to end the series. Kang Dynasty is gonna be out by then, probably. Probably Yeah, we'll around. we'll have a new president at that point. It'll be weird. <laughs> All right, well maybe maybe we won't. Who knows? I guess we'll see. Or maybe, uh, I mean, uh, or maybe we'll still be, uh, yeah. In- I wasn't making a statement. I was just trying to draw. <laughs> President Martin X may still be in office. We'll, we'll see. Uh, that being said, high praise, uh, very high praise for this, uh, for this story, at least these, these first two issues. Maybe it falls off after that. I, I kind of doubt it. So uh, high praise for Town Called Terror. I think uh, based on our score, we can't do anything, but highly recommend checking this one out. Uh, so thank you to all of you for tuning in as always. Uh, don't forget to follow us on the twitters uh at second print pod on the instagrams at second print pod we are putting a lot more content out there on the facebook as well and uh yeah you get a lot of fun on our social media now we're posting remzo's been posting these uh random comic panels which has been a big hit uh with everybody in our our fan group the second print comics fan group before you you get access to that by becoming sending me shit now it's awesome yeah it's great now it's now it's uh it's uh sort of creating its own content for us so uh much thanks of course to all our patrons if you'd like to become one if you'd like to join our community uh please check out patreon patreon.com slash second print pod 
for just five smackaroos a month, you get early access to every episode, including uh, as well as bonus content. Uh, every Sunday at a minimum, you're getting something, a show from Remzo or myself. And of course, there'll be some uh, random other content. Uh, we'll probably do our Ant-Man review. I say that will be out before it will be out to the public because we've both seen it. So we'll probably do that in the next week. So that'll be available to patrons uh, before anybody else. But again, as little as five bucks a month. Or if you want to be a baller like Eric, like Jeffrey, you can do that as well. Send us down some rabbit holes. Uh, Remzo, any uh, any last words as we sign off this week? Folks, as always, if you can't do anything else, you can always do this. It's simple. It's sweet. It comes for the absolutely awesome price of nothing. It's read comics and change the world. Good night, America. Adios. Adios.